in the heart of Beer City, USA. Two men, one journey, to create a sports show unlike any other. Unfiltered, raw, and honest. One of them played a soccer goalie opposite Ben Stiller. The other, one scored six points on Steph Curry. These guys know their sh- Let's go! Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green, the Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. Low prices, love the savings. And welcome into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Sportsocracy live in the Ingalls studio. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Seen everywhere on YouTube. Just go to thesportsocracy.com. Click on that live video link. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can see all of our live videos and content as it comes out. The post-Senior Bowl seven-round mock drafts. Coming out uh, on the channel now, each and every team will be covered with your full boat of prospects chosen by Mr. Flostradamus, Jeremy Green. Also, today, huge day. Huge day. Is it, Normally, we can say on NBA trade deadline day, uh, it, was, it, it, it passed with a whimper, but not this time. Yeah, usually it would be, hey, Montrez Harrell got traded to the Hornets. Well, that happened, and I I think that might be all we talk about that today. Uh, Yeah, because we've got other big names on the move. James Harden, Ben Simmons, it happened. Chris Stapps Porzingis is on the move as well. We'll The unicorn! (laughs) We'll give you all of the deals in the trade deadline, including, yes, Montrezl Harrell going to the Charlotte Hornets, which could very well help that team down low. You know, as somebody that used to pull for the Knicks, I figured out, it it took about four years, but I finally figured out why Chris Stapps Porzingis is called the unicorn. Okay. Because I keep hearing about his talent, but I've never seen it. Oh, come on. Much like a unicorn. Come on. He had some good years with the Knicks. Fictional at best. Fictional at best. Fictional at best. (laughs) We also got another Super Bowl preview coming up for you in this hour as we'll talk about the coaching matchup this time between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Super Bowl Sunday coming up uh, in just a couple of days. You can join us out at the social in East Asheville. That's where we will be uh, taking in the Super Bowl. No live streams this weekend because it's Super Bowl Sunday and you don't really you don't really want to see that. Hey, after seven beers, I might pull my phone out and do a Facebook Live. That's that's the closest we're uh that's closest we're gonna come to a live for this. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh we got Jones Angel, voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, joining us at four o'clock. We'll talk about the the rebound survival victory on the road down at Little John against Clemson. I mean, I guess we got to talk about it, but nobody really wants to talk about what happened over the weekend with Duke in Chapel Hill. And of course, we've got a, uh, we're going to do the uh, seven round mock draft for the Carolina Panthers coming up in the second half of the program as well. Plus, uh, all of your outside weird news as well. And Jeremy's picks of the night with green on green and five on it. Now, green on green cannot physically go any worse than it went last night. Oh, my it's gosh. Not humanly possible you gotta yeah the, the the lakers really helped you out last night didn't they oh yeah the, the lakers are so good there is a rumor that there was a russell westbrook for john wall deal on the table yeah apparently the lakers were grizzling at including more draft picks i don't care what you had to give to get rid of russell westbrook win 
John Wall would have been better. I don't care if you got six shovels and four racks to put basketballs on. That is better than Russell Westbrook. <laughs> and what the heck are we going to do with those shovels? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? NBA trade deadline has passed. It passed at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Um, I guess there could be some other deals that come down here. If we see any of them, we will pass them along to you. But, of course, the big deal of the day everybody's talking about. James Harden going from the Brooklyn Nets to the Philadelphia 76ers, reuniting with uh, GM Daryl Morey, who used to be the captain down there in the in Houston when James Harden was there. And the 76ers had to give up Ben Simmons. They gave up two first-round draft picks and more. My my question here is like, how did Daryl Morey go from we want James Harden and two ones to we'll give you Ben Simmons in two ones? Uh, because somebody told him Ben Simmons isn't worth that. The reaction to this is one of the more comically stupid things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Oh, they had to give up two ones. Tremendous. Those are gonna be in the late twenties. Yep. Who cares? Those picks mean absolutely less than zero. Okay. I mean, still first-round picks. They're they're worth a little bit in the NBA. Are they, though? Are they really? Sure. Oh, let's play a fun game, shall All right. we? All right. Uh, I, will, I will give you the five players that went in the late 20s, and you tell me how much this would change your mind. Okay. All right, this is 2021. Bones Highland, Cam Thomas... Jaden Springer, Dayron Sharp, Santi Aldama. Yeah, that's no. slaying you. I don't that really, really the moving needle. you. No, I, I have heard Stephen A. Smith doing this all afternoon long. Oh, I can't believe they gave up extra ones. Uh, who cares? Right. I don't care if you gave up ten of them. Right. You really think Quentin Grimes is what's changing your <laughs> championship narrative? Yeah. I, the thing that's so funny to me is that James Harden has become that one friend that we all have. Okay. He has now been so in love all over social media three times. Yeah. One year. Man, you move on fast. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful in Houston. I just love being loved. He's just trying to find his next ex-team. 43 pounds later. <laughs> it is so wonderful in Brooklyn. I just feel loved and cherished and wanted. 27 pounds later. I can't believe I'm so happy to be in Philadelphia. <laughs> what? The thing I can't figure out, where is the vitriol coming from? Did you really think that Ben Simmons was ever playing another second with the Philadelphia 76ers? I did not. I can't believe anybody did. Oh, they gave up ones. You, you did get James Harden. Right. He's 32 years old. And? It's not like his defensive intensity is with her. You're bringing him in to score. Right. He can still score. Last I checked, he can still score. I did hear Stephen A. Smith say, is he going to lose 100 pounds? Well, he did once, and I still don't know how he did it, but I bet I bet he does it again. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he takes his fat suit along with him, because uh, I still maintain that's the only way you could do it. Even PhD weight loss could not help you lose that much weight that quickly. I'm just... <laughs> I am dumbfounded that James Harden officially goes through relationships quicker than any Kardashian. Oh, You have been in love three times in 16 months. You all know you have a friend like that, so you could call me a jerk until you're blue in the face. Tell me you didn't think of one specific name. Oh, we did. 
We all know who that person is in our lives. The Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two ones and send to Philadelphia James Harden and Paul Millsap. Oh, I can't believe they gave up Andre Drummond. Really? You can't believe they gave up Andre Drummond. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a decent player, I guess. Oh, he's going to help fortify that championship roster down low, Well, man. I hate to break the hearts of anybody that thinks that's going to reverse Brooklyn's fortune. At this point, he is just incrementally better than Paul Millsap, who they sent out in this deal. The question is, how quick do you see Ben Simmons on the floor? Uh, what is today? Thursday? Uh, I will bet by the time I'm back, you will have seen him multiple times. Okay. Where are you going? I'm taking the last three days of next week off. Oh, okay. <sighs> Between drafts and Super Bowl and yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and all of it. I just I need a nap. Just need some time off. I need a nap. All right. I, I'm just I'm dumbfounded by the reaction to this. You were getting absolutely zero from Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. This is a team in a championship window with a star who is not going to age well. And here Joel and Bates had his has had injury issues practically his entire career. Right, you're just now to a point where you don't have to baby his minutes. He's already 27. Mm-hmm. Also, just realized we share the same birthday. Did not know that. Interesting. Well, James, uh, James Harden coming in obviously gives them another weapon. I mean, it's a it's a very expensive weapon because he's already it, opted into his forty seven and a half million well dollars next year. As well, he should. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but he wasn't that much more expensive than Ben Simmons, who oh by the way, I can't believe we've forgotten this can't shoot. There are four tenants of NBA basketball. Ben Simmons cannot do one of them at all. Oh, he's going to be so good with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Really? Really? So, you you remember when I've talked about Kyrie Irving and said there's one thing he does really, really well? Mm -hmm. What's that one thing? Distribute the ball? He's a great ball handler. What is the only thing Ben Simmons does really, really well? Right. He's a great rebounder for a guard because he's 6'10". So, now you have the exact... It is so funny to me that Brooklyn just keeps doing this in repeat. Like, well, maybe if we do it with different players. Nope. D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. <laughs> James Harden. <laughs> now now we'll, do, we'll do it with Ben Simmons. I'm sure it'll work out just fine. Right. Or maybe, maybe you tied yourself to the wrong lunatic. Well, see, Ben's going to be the ben, ben will be the ball handler at home, and then and they can let Kyrie do it when when they're on the road. <laughs> That's another it's just be comically stupid part of this. I mean, Adam Black said in the comments, Ben Simmons can't play the two because he can't shoot. Right. KD's had injury issues repeatedly, mainly because he's 185 pounds and he's seven foot tall. Right. Shocker, the thin guy can't stay healthy. Why am I not surprised by that? Right. But this reaction that, oh, I can't believe Philadelphia gave up that much. Why? They win this deal in a walk. It's not even kind of close. Really? The only reason that you're even in the stratosphere is because you got Seth Curry, too, who is a good floor spacer. Ask yourself this. What team in the East is supposed to beat them? Not named the Milwaukee Bucks. You think Miami's going to do it? Yeah. With Tyler Hero? Mm, going to disagree with you. You're on a collision course for Milwaukee. 
Yeah. Well, the 76ers are right there. They'll they'll stand in their way. The, the, the Sixers are going to stand in their way of themselves? Oh, I thought you were talking about the Nets. No. The Nets are not in the ballpark of this team. Your second best player can only play half of the games and none of them are at home. I could care less about you. Cool, okay. you get in the playoffs. Every time you go to Brooklyn, now you have Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant against James Harden, who you just angered quite nicely, mm-hmm. and Joel Embiid, who you still can't guard. They will eviscerate you. I mean, that's that's Sixers and five, and I don't even have to think about it twice. Okay. I don't like James Harden. You know when I do like him? When he's the second best player on the team. Mm-hmm. The problem with Brooklyn, he and KD just never jived because of Kyrie Irving. As soon as Kyrie was a thing, that became a problem because he's a jerk. Yeah. And James did not feel respected and didn't feel like he could play the game his way. Well, he can play it any way he wants to. Because you know who's not going to stop him from being ball dominant and just firing away from three? Tobias Harris, who you didn't have to give up in this deal. And I've yet to hear one person say kudos. Right. Well, that was all the tacos that they they wanted to try to get rid of Toby Harris, which is dumb. The money in the in the NBA doesn't matter. Yeah. If that's your argument, oh, it's so expensive. Every one of these teams is paying five dollars per dollar over the tax. That's even vaguely competitive. Mm-hmm. The money doesn't matter. Which team is a championship threat right now? It's the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. Who's a championship threat next year? It's the Sixers. Now, three years from now, yeah, they might both be terrible. Who knows? You made the move to be competitive right now in an East that is wide open. Mm-hmm. Can you even tell me the four teams that would get home court in the East right now? The four teams who get home court in the East. would it, Well, it would be Milwaukee. And by the way, the Sixers are a game and a half out of this. They would be the five. Okay. Milwaukee. Two. Miami. Number one. Uh, if you get the other two, I'll be stunned. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's the other one? The Chicago Bulls are the three. Should have known that. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the four. That still surprises me. Yeah, if Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland against Philadelphia, how is that going to go? Uh, Joel Embiid averages 47, 14, and 9. It's a win-now move. Right. People get locked into t- with with trades. We're so invested in the NFL that you hear about these picks in the NBA and you don't realize that they don't matter. Mm-hmm. Throughout this show, I'm just going to keep throwing out the last five picks and drafts. Okay. Because some of them are hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Drummond two first-rounders go to the Nets, James Harden, and Paul Millsap on their way to Philadelphia right now. Um other trades that were made today we had the raptors and the spurs swapping off thaddeus young and goran Dragic. along well spurs also get a first round pick and they're gonna do a buyout on the goran Dragic of course because the spurs are terrible yeah that move would really have moved me in 2009 unfortunately it is 2022 and it means absolutely nothing you got the washington wizards picking up chris <laughs> stapp's porzingis yeah by the way I, I'm going. I'm going to give you grain on grain at the end of this hour, and I'm going to specifically tell you: you should run, not walk, not limp, sprint to betus.com and take the first one. And just any amount, I am going to break a five on it record most I've ever put on a game in that segment. All the doll hairs. 
Yeah, because they boo-boo kitty the line real bad, and they it won't move fast enough to catch up to it. Right. Washington Wizards getting uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis from the Mavs, and they're sending Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertan. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie had run. He had worn out his welcome in Washington. I heard that about three weeks ago. I just didn't think anybody would. He's been hurt, and I really didn't know who would need a point guard. I can't figure out the fit in Dallas. Luke is the point guard. Right. You can call him whatever you want to. He and Dinwiddie on the court together does not make a whole lot of sense. Dinwiddie can't play the two. Uh, he's going to get demolished by whoever he guards. But right. I mean, he can I mean, he can play the five if you want to. It's just a question of how many <laughs> points do well. you want to watch him give up? Yeah, it doesn't work well. Uh, also, Washington apparently sending Aaron Holiday to the Phoenix Suns. I have not seen what the compensation for Washington in that's going to be. Nine dollars. And then also Washington sending Montrez Harrell to the Charlotte Hornets for Vernon Carey and Ish Smith. Hallelujah. We have been hearing Montrez Harrell to Charlotte for, I think, since he was in middle school. Right. I've, I have heard a Montrez Harrell to Charlotte rumor every year for the last three years. Mm-hmm. It is about time he finally winds up in Charlotte. Yes. That's and- a quality move. Yeah, it give, I mean, it gives you a little bit of beef down low, and you can, you can hopefully, you know, hope for hope for the best Montrez Harrell. Hey, if you've ever wanted to play in the NBA, now's your shot. The Washington Wizards need healthy humans. <laughs> Do you have a pulse and any kind of jumper? Right. You're in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400 Super Bowl Sunday. It's coming up this weekend. Don't forget you can join us down at the social in East Asheville. We'll be out there hanging out, and uh, there will be a $20 cover charge. They'll have a uh, buffet set out there, all the wings that you can handle, or at least until until Jeremy and I eat them out of house and home. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about the coaching matchup in Super Bowl 56 coming up next. At Ingalls, we know the ever-present struggle of what am I going to make for dinner this week? That's why we started the Ingalls Table. It's a website that brings the best chefs and food experts right into your kitchen. You can sort through hundreds of recipes for every occasion, watch how-to videos, and print shopping lists to take to the store. It's all waiting for you at ingles-markets.com. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I am Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. The Sportsocracy. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. And, yep, Super Bowl 56 right around the corner. We've, uh... We've only got a couple more days. We've got two shows to do before Super Bowl weekend. And Cincinnati Bengals hoping to uh, pull what I think everybody thinks is going to be an upset at this point over the Los Angeles Rams. Well, not everybody thinks it's going to be an upset. uh, Well, really? You think Cincinnati should be the favorite in the game? Uh, No. I'm not saying it should be a favorite. I just think this game is way closer than everybody thinks. Right. Or than the odds makers seem to think. Then, okay. That's probably the way to say that. There you go. Uh, 
L.A. came in as the overall favorite uh, immediately when the lines were set. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford came in as the overall favorite to win the MVP award for the Super Bowl this year. Everybody's pretty heavy on, or at least the odds makers, pretty heavy on the Los Angeles Rams to take this game. We've been talking about who has the advantage in the offense versus defense. We did both of those earlier in the uh, earlier in the week. We did special teams yesterday, and today let's talk about the coaching matchup. You got two guys who used to work together. One used to be the other one's boss, Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. Very familiar with each other. One's been to a Super Bowl before. The other one just had his first winning season this year after winning six combined games the first two years with the Cincinnati Bengals. I firmly believe that if Cincinnati wins Sunday, Zach Taylor will go down as the most unlikely coach to win a Super Bowl ever. Most unlikely coach. This is a guy that everybody and their brother couldn't believe was retained for another year. Oh, yeah. He came into this season with with the fourth best odds to be the first guy fired in the NFL coaching cycle. His NFL head coaching career had one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. And now we're here. Do you realize this is the youngest coaching match head coaching matchup yep in super bowl history yep and demolished it by like nine years wasn't it almost 10 it was almost 10 full years they are combined under 74 years old wow that's that's impressive and but the fact that they could the fact that cincinnati was even able to get here is a shocker to everybody I mean, I know Cincinnati Bengals fans will like to say, oh, we knew it from the start. Nah, did you, though? I mean, we got a lot of pushback when we had them at a combined three wins this year. I'll tell you another fun story about these two. Okay. If you add their age up, it's a kindergartner older than Bruce Arians by himself. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. It's like five well. years and 47 days or something like that older than Bruce Arians. Five years and 47 days. Okay. But does Sean McVay, because he was because he's the teacher and not the student, does that necessarily give him an advantage in this? That's not what gives him an advantage. The advantage comes in that this is not his first time in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you've ever seen the numbers. Do you know what the record is of first-time Super Bowl participant head coaches? No clue. It's not as bad as I would have thought. Okay. It's 28 and 30. That's not bad. Of the last eight that played in another one, do you know what the record is? No. Seven and one. Really? Seven and one. That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's and there's a very simple re- we'll get into the the technical breakdown of these two after just a bit outside. Right. One of the things that I wanted to talk about in this is that you gotta understand how different this is than every other game you've ever coached in. Everything media availability through the week your schedule's completely off you're out there for a week as opposed to a couple of days it throws everything off the rams pretty comfortable with this Mm -hmm. a large number of their players have done this before cincinnati not so much that's gonna play a role you don't realize how much a creature of habit we are until your entire routine gets thrown out of whack right And I do think that is an advantage to Sean McVay. 
I hear people talk about, oh, he was the the student. Zach Taylor was a student, and that gives Sean McVay an advantage. Right. No, it doesn't. Because Zach Taylor was a student under Sean McVay. He knows exactly how he thinks. These two guys know each other quite well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see an advantage there. But the I've been here before, that is certainly an advantage. Yeah. Experience generally helps. And I and I and I think I think that's where a lot of people will look at Cincinnati and go, they're so young. They're so inexperienced. So many of their stars are in the first couple of years of their NFL careers. That you look at the other side and go, look at these guys that should have won Super Bowls by now. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best in the game. You know, Von Miller, he did win a Super Bowl with Denver. You got Aaron Donald looking for a Super Bowl. Matt Stafford. Obviously, nobody expected him to win one in Detroit, but now that he's with one, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL, they're expecting him to get that job done. Uh, well, again, as Jeremy said, the technical look at Zach Tom or Zach Taylor against Sean McVay. It's coming up next. First, let's get just a bit outside. Boy, you must be outside your mind. The sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. All right, this past weekend down in Mobile, Alabama, was the Senior Bowl, and one of the uh, you know disturbing reports that came out after the uh, after the Senior Bowl was that the MVP of the game or the defensive MVP of the game, Perry and Winfrey, he he had his jersey and his helmet stolen, and now he's on the look for it. He posted on social media, "Hey, this is my, you know, this is this is my helmet. This is my Senior Bowl jersey. It was signed by the entire team, and apparently, he was staying at an apartment complex there in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. And he said his helmets and his helmet and his cleats and the signed jersey were all taken at some point. He said, "Look, I don't want any trouble. I just want my stuff back." And I got a feeling, I mean, this is not necessarily stuff that you're going to take to uh, take to a pawn shop or anything. I've, I, I feel like there's got to be some some searches going on. Craigslist, eBay, wherever to find this stuff. Just kind of, it's just kind of sad. And why would you take those things? Uh, probably to sell it on eBay. Well, it's just, it's so unfortunate. Many players traded in the NBA today and their job security is in question, but there's not in as much question as Auburn head football coach oh, Brian Harson. Yeah. Today has not gone his way. First, a story came out of he before he went to Boise State, he was the head coach at Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Well, according to multiple sources, apparently he was going to be fired at Arkansas State before Boise State came in and hired him. Really? Saved him there. Leaves and goes to Auburn. And then he he took another L today. Auburn just instituted a policy that states employees can be fired for not cooperating with an investigation or a review. I want you to really understand what I just said. Auburn just changed their rules to find a reason to fire this guy for cause. Right. They changed everything. It's in the the uh, the the charter the tr- of the school. Really? They changed that to go, no, we can get you for this. Because they didn't have anything to fire him for cause, and they didn't want to pay him $18 million. Right. He will probably not survive the day. 
Okay. If he does, I'll be marginally surprised, and I will almost guarantee he doesn't survive the weekend. But since they changed the rules on that, is that not something that he could beat? Oh, he can sue. I was going to say, he could beat that in court. He can sue. Yeah. The only problem is that they have more money than you do. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Joseph Goodman of AL.com says it's over for Brian Harson at Auburn. Really? At this point, we are literally just waiting on the other shoe to drop. This has been building for days. They've been talking about uh, you know the investigation as to why so many coaches and players have left what was it 20 players transferred out 18 players transferred out seven coaches yikes some of whom left just to leave like i don't have another job and i don't care right i think that's really the narrative of today just trying to get away i just need you away from me ben simmons james James Harden, harden brian harson and breaking news breaking news I like breaking news. Who's gonna break the news? 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 <laughs> Dennis Schroeder has been traded <laughs> to the Houston Rockets. Oh, wonderful. For Daniel Tice. Aha. Uh-huh. Somehow they included Enos Cantor in that too, which is just I, I can't find the details on where Cantor went. Oh, okay. But he, or, oh, sorry, I used I used the wrong name. His name is now Anus Freedom. Anus Freedom. Yeah, he legally changed his name to Anus Freedom. I did not realize that. Yeah, I'm trying to find the details of. He's being he wound up with the Rockets. I can tell you that much, and he is being waived. I just can't figure out what they gave up for him. Right. Goodness. The Celtics also got Derek White. They from, did from uh, San Antonio. They did. The Celtics did quite nicely today. They had to get. They had to give up jo- uh, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a first round pick this year. That's totally top four worth protected. it. Totally worth it. Derek White is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's a huge acquisition. Celtics ties that team together quite nicely. Yeah, the Celtics also made a cost cutting move by sending Bull Bull and PJ Dozier down to the Orlando Magic for a future second round pick. Well, maybe in Orlando, Bull Bull will finally have a roll roll. That's oh. that's my only hope. You know, I, I remember you well from your time in Denver. Man, he could blow up a preseason game. Like, man, he's so good. I remember they had a 2K card of him that was a uh, he was a it was perfect the, 99. Yeah, it was the unstoppable card or whatever. And I, and I raised my hand and went, you do realize he plays like four minutes a night, right? He He's not very good. Doesn't matter. When you give him all those skills, he can handle the ball, shoot from out there, and he's seven foot, what was it, seven foot five? No, he's seven. He's seven and some change. He's not that tall. He's not that tall. No. Not as tall as his dad. No. But he can shoot threes. He can shoot threes. I'll give him that. Yeah. All this right. This is, oh, good, good. The, the NBA trade deadline is one. You see guys get traded for a, a 2028 conditional second round pick. What are the conditions? It has to land on 58. <laughs> huh. He's, you played craps with a, with a, with a draft pick. Yeah. That's a weird one. You bet you bet the house on 58. Okay. I mean, it's an aggressive strategy. I've never seen it work out for anybody, but okay. Oh, and in other news, Tory Craig. Tory Craig's back with the Phoenix Suns now. Yay. He's back with a championship caliber team. Tory Craig's uh, now the official player that just gets traded at every trade deadline. Yeah, pretty much. Like, where did he go? Right. Was it Mil- it was, he was with Milwaukee, and he then he went to Denver. Phoenix. Oh, yeah, he went to Phoenix before he went to Denver. Then he was in Denver. Uh, I just saw he was so who traded him to, to Phoenix. I can't remember now where he was. 
Uh, I mean, it was the Pacers now. Oh, uh, Pacers. Yeah. yeah, because when the Pacers were just eviscerated, he was the leading scorer. Yeah. So Torrey Craig goes from the Pacers to the Suns. And the Pacers, in return, get Jalen Smith and a future second-round pick. Yay. Yay. You remember when Jalen Smith was a lottery pick? That was that was cool. I just I really feel like NBA teams should have to – there should be a person I, – I totally volunteer as tribute – where when you have ideas, you have to run them by a person, and if they tangibly laugh, you're not allowed to do it. Right. We're going to take Jalen Smith in the lottery. <clears throat> nope. Not no. happening. No. We're going to give Dennis Schroeder a billion dollars. Oh, wait. He took care of that and said no. In Has fact- anybody's career earnings ever gone in the turlet as bad as Dennis Schroeder's? Nope. I turned down I $90 so. million. Dollars. What I do you do now? I I work I I play for the vet minimum now. Hmm. Good call, agent. I think it was six. He got six million out of that. Well, you know what six isn't ninety. <laughs> I mean, I am not good at mathing, but I can tell you that much. Six is less than ninety by a considerable amount. Sean McVay takes on his former understudy, Zach Taylor, in the Super Bowl. As Los Angeles Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Cincinnati Bengals, the home team, by the way. They'll be in the home ten- the, in the home locker room. Which is so stupid. <laughs> but, you know, Sean McVay, they're technically the road team, but he's been here before. And how much of that does how much does that actually give him an advantage over Zach Taylor? How is he going to take advantage? It definitely gives him an it gives him an advantage, but in terms of who these two coaches are, they're almost mirror images of each other. The offenses. How many snaps do you think LA takes a game? Offensive snaps. No clue. 66. Okay. Bengals 65.7. Percent of run plays. Rams, 39.1. Bengals, 38.2. Do you see where I'm headed with this? Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that there is a huge coaching advantage outside of the fact that McVay's been here. Because they're the same guy. The play call looks similar. Mm -hmm. Everything about this looks similar. To me, there is one huge advantage, and it's in that you're running – not exactly the same system, but quite close. And I have Joe Burrow doing it, and you have Matthew Stafford doing it. Mm -hmm. Advantage me by a lot. Oh, but Stafford's a veteran who's never been here before. Right. Joe Burrow is scared of no thing. So one of the things that I've been looking at in this game is we know that that Los Angeles can score points. Mm -hmm. We know that Cincinnati can score points. Uh, if this gets out and gets into shootout territory, part of me wants to say that it's Cincinnati's game to win. Just because I feel like the Rams haven't they haven't been that crazy offensive team lately. And well, maybe they, that, they never have been. That's that is it's one of those things that just drives me insane because it's such a myth. Sean McVay wants to be more balanced than he is. Uh-huh. I feel like Matthew Stafford is changing that. Because you can't do as many things with him. Not good on play action. Allegedly doesn't like doing it. Mm-hmm. Not comfortable in it. So that kind of takes a, an arrow out of your quiver. From a coaching standpoint, if I had to pick which one I wanted, obviously it's Sean McVay. 
But it's not by as much as people think. Right. Talent for talent, yeah, he's a way better coach. Mm -hmm. But they know each other so well. Offenses are the same. And I think Cincinnati's better equipped to run that offense than the Rams are. Yeah, than the Rams are. Tripped myself up because I was looking at a different look on the screen. I'm literally just looking at NBA trades, finding new ways to make fun of things. (laughs) Do we have more coming in? No, the more trades no, coming no, no, in. It's oh. just, they're all filtering back to me. Oh, I got you. I got you. I thought the, I thought there were more coming. Uh, look, I, th- I I believe that uh, Sean McVay is destined for greatness here. Zach Taylor, I've been out on, and and and, and I love the fact that Sean Ta- or, excuse me, uh, Sean McVay is just going full on against this whole coaching tree narrative. His comments yesterday were. It's basically a joke that he he's not claiming a, a coaching tree, despite the fact that Kevin O'Connell's being plucked from it for the Minnesota Vikings job, and Zach Taylor and Brandon Staley have all come from that. He's like, look, we just we just know you know we've we've all worked together at one point or another. I mean, these guys were in Washington together. Zach Taylor was his offensive coordinator for two years, and they spent a whole lot of time together. I just don't know if there is a distinct advantage between the two other than experience. It's the only thing I can keep going back That's to. That's the only thing I've got. Right. Now, the question that I want uh, that I wanted to ask in this, I have made it very clear that I think Cincinnati is winning in spite of Zach Taylor, uh-huh. but he has improved. Has there been a head coach in NFL history that you would think less of that won a Super Bowl? There's I'm one not, answer I, I for mean, me, and it's not even close. John Fox, maybe. Mm, I mean, I didn't. And he was all right. I mean, he took he took Carolina to a Super Bowl. Well, he didn't win. He didn't Super win Bowl. it, and then he went to Denver. He didn't win a Super Bowl. I thought he won the. Was he the coach when Peyton? I thought he was. Denver's whole coaching tree starts to confuse me. I'm pretty sure because you went. He, he won in Denver. That was with Peyton. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, with that defense. I believe that was that was John Fox. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is the one that I would think less of. But, I mean, I guess yours has got to be Doug Peterson since you've been throwing him a bunch of crap. I, I have said a lot of things. <laughs> I have said a lot of things. Uh, and I will continue to say a lot of things. But that's not the one. Okay. Uh, Barry Switzer is the one I'm thinking of. Ah, good old Barry. Who took over Jimmy Johnson's job? Oh man, and, that and just de- got and that, that one Super Bowl, and that deck of cards just fell apart. Kubiak was the. I knew that didn't sound Kubiak right. was the Kubiak coach. Kubiak was the coach Why? of Denver. I knew. Why that do I keep thinking wrong. John Fox won a Super Bowl? I, I don't know because you love John Fox. I guess I don't know. I was. I knew there was a name I was missing. I just couldn't place who it was. Gary Kubiak was the coach. Okay, of the team. I don't, I don't, why, why that stuck in my head? He would no also idea. be in competition for. Uh, the worst, the worst coach. head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Worst coach to win a Super Bowl. Well, I, and I shouldn't say worst. I pulled a list on this, and somebody said Brian Billick, and I just got immediately angry. Brian. The list was Mike McCarthy, Brian Billick, Gary Kubiak, and, and Barry Switzer. I could see McCarthy being Zach on that Taylor list. Taylor would fit right in the middle of that. Sure. Now, the narrative on that could change. I still don't think he's a great coach. I just think this is a great accumulation of talent. Mm-hmm. 
And at some point, having Joe Burrow is just more than anybody can boo-boo. Now, he's been a he's been a better play caller. Game management has been better in the playoffs. There were a lot of times that I dinged him in the regular season for just doing things that didn't make any sense. Right. But it's hard to say anything against his game management, seeing where his team has wound up. Well, he ended up in the Super Bowl, so he obviously did something right. Right. But has... <laughs> but you're saying he's been Steven Town said, Who said Billick? I'll fight you right now. I was in oh, the absolutely. same spot. Like you put some respect on Brian Billick's name. He does not belong with Gary Kubiak and Barry Switzer. No, I will agree and with that. Doug Peterson. But I think Mike McCarthy is definitely on the trajectory to fall into that list. <sighs> I mean you won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And then you come to Dallas, and it hasn't it hasn't gone the way they wanted it to. Well, it, it, it hasn't been uh, the happiest time. Right. Cowboy fans hate him. Of course they do. Look at all the dumb things that he does. His late game uh, time management is awful. I've been on the fun circuit of doing draft things uh, with other shows. Yeah. One of the shows I do has a Cowboy fan host. When I got the notes of what we were going to talk about, it was draft, draft, draft. How stupid is Mike McCarthy? I just went, that doesn't seem objective to me, but I mean, I'll answer it. Right. But has Zach Taylor ever given you, I mean, has this season and the run that they have made, has he given you any sign that when it comes down to it at the end of the game, if it's close, he's going to make the wrong decision? No. I mean, in, in these playoffs, he has been fantastic. It doesn't change what I've thought for multiple years of him as the head coach. Right. But it definitely improves it. Right. I mean, first year, nobody expected him to win anything no, with a rookie were, quarterback and not who was getting absolutely killed over and over and over again. And, you know, the Joe Burrow injury happens last year and you go four, what was it, four, 11 and one. Mm-hmm. And now. Joe Burrow's healthy. You got him a star wide receiver. You made a lot of big pickups in free agency. How much of that do you give credit to to Zach Taylor for for having a word in on who the free agents were that they brought in? I, I would feel bad about how little credit I have given Zach Taylor, except for the fact I'm not alone. No, I feel like I have yet to hear one person talk about how he's done such a great job. It's all just been heaped on Joe B. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because he's Texas, the. I mean, he's the face. He's the face of the franchise, and he's the one that you see. And I think everybody has glommed on to his confidence. That's what I love about him, is that he's supremely confident in his game. Jamar Chase is an absolute freak, and they have a connection unlike any other. You got two other great weapons in that wide receiver core. Joe Mixon's one of the best running backs in football. And you got that kicker. You got that kicker who's just like, you know what? I'm going to win this game. Ever since that story about the Tennessee Titans game, he said, we're going to the AFC championship game, boys. I'm going to make this kick right here. He has become one of my favorite guys in the NFL. And uh, I this, think this is proof positive of something I said earlier in the show. If you ever get really worried about draft picks, just understand the Dolphins offered three ones, including the fifth pick that they used to take to a tongue of Iloa to Cincinnati for Joe Burrow. Yep. Cincinnati laughed. That's how much draft picks matter. As well they should. Have. I mean, and, and that's coming from the draft guy. When it's the guy, there is no cost too high. Right. 
And that's why Stephen Ross wanted to apparently pay for losses. Yeah. And <laughs> unfortunately, he was not very good at it. Uh, nope. Nope. Couldn't even do that right. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. Apparently, green on green did not go well last night. Shoe buddy. Shoe buddy. But today, today, my friends, Vegas, boo-boo kitty, then the line will not move fast enough. Uh, the picks of the night coming up next. Green on green on the way. Hey guys, I'm Ziggy, your local Philly girl, owner of Ziggy's Bakery and Deli. I've created a traditional northern deli with only the most authentic cheesesteaks outside of Philadelphia, served with provolone, white American, or cheese whiz. Our other classic deli sandwiches are made with the best quality meats and cheeses, available sliced by the pound. Join us for breakfast for house-made bagels with our custom cream cheeses. Or for something heartier, try a pork roll egg and cheese or house-cured lox. Ziggy's Bakery and Deli, in the corner of Asheville Commons, 1550 Hendersonville Road, open 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. Coffee's the closers only. Get them the money! Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the work. In the words of one of my favorite states, favorite sons, doesn't always work for a ninja. Last night, didn't work for me. Oh, and four in what can only be categorized as an absolute devastation of a night. Ouch. But we try to rebound tonight, and Vegas got one wrong. First, the Brooklyn Nets are a two and a half point dog tonight at Washington. Two and a half point dog. I will give you one U.S. dollar if you can name me three players that play for the Washington Wizards. They have nine players total. That's it? Nine. Good nine Lord. guys. And one of them is Anthony Gill. Another is Isaiah Todd. This is not going to go well, because guess who's still in Brooklyn? Kyrie Irving. Right. He's going to have him a fun night. I am hammering this. Give me the Nets. They win outright. The L.A. Clippers are a seven-point dog tonight at the Dallas Mavericks. This is wrong. Yeah. Without, with no Chris Tapps, the team has – there's a lot of moving pieces – I don't know exactly how many players Dallas has. They have not updated the roster yet to reflect how many guys will be in, in uniform tonight. I'm not going to say LA wins, but this is too many points. As much flux as you have, this is this is one of the easiest nights usually. Not always. Sometimes you'll you'll burn yourself doing this, but this is usually one of the easier nights to burn Vegas in the NBA because you got so many moving pieces. I'm taking the LA Clippers plus the seven. Finally, the Milwaukee Bucks are a three point dog tonight at the Phoenix Suns. Over-under is 233. Phoenix can't win every single game, and I'll be honest with you, I think Giannis is going to go ham tonight. This is a game Milwaukee needs to win. They have done a good job of beating bad teams, not the greatest job of beating good teams, especially not on the road. Gut gut feeling, give me the Bucks plus five over the 233. Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. And, of course, you can take those wagers over to BetUs.com. BetUs.com. Use the promo code SPORTSOCRACY. Get a 125% deposit bonus on whatever you put in, up to $2,500. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you don't go to BetUs.com, 
use our promo code Sportsocracy and lay some doubloons on the Brooklyn Nets tonight, that's on you. Yep. They have nine players, two of whom have not played in the NBA this year. Yikes. Kyrie Irving and Blake Griffin still play for the Nets. Not saying Blake Griffin's great, just saying they have one big guy. Yep. One big guy. If he gets in foul trouble, if Thomas Bryant somehow got in foul trouble, the tallest player on that team would be Denny Avija, who I think weighs 185 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he's what six seven six? I think Denny of each is six nine six nine. And so is Isaiah Todd. Okay, uh, Isaiah Todd, who has played very limited in right. his NBA career. Right. Okay. Uh, I did. I did something f- that I didn't believe when it happened yesterday. So I went to the doctor, and it was the first time I've ever gone to the doctor and not lied about my weight. They didn't put me on a scale. They just asked me how much I weighed, and I went, 260. And it felt like a lie coming out of my mouth because I haven't said that to anybody in a long, long time. But it's actually true. I am down more than 30 pounds of the Ph.D. weight loss program, and I have to I have to thank Dr. Ashley Lucas and the fine folks over there at uh, Ph.D. weight loss because they, you know, I'm no longer a liar when somebody asks me about my weight. I'm actually proud to say... I'm down to 260 pounds. This is the least I've weighed since I actually did athletic things. Uh, and, and I feel fantastic. I'm sleeping better than I have. And the thing that's so good for me about this is the convenience. That's how I got into this shape. Fast food was always easier. And that's how I got so heavy. Now I have convenient food that's also good for me. Yep. I've got uh, I've got my soup sitting here right next to me. Delicious soups. Absolutely love them. Uh, this is a way for you. If you need to turn things around, you're type 2 diabetic, you need to reverse some of those symptoms, PhD Weight Loss can help you do that. Just go to myphdweightloss.com. Myphdweightloss.com. Coming up after the Sports Center update, we will talk to Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. We'll talk about the win down at uh, Little John against Clemson and, you know, whatever we can do to lick the wounds from the big beat down in Chapel Hill over the weekend against the Duke Blue Devils. But guess what, Tar Heel fans? Looks like there's a pretty manageable schedule coming up for the next, uh, well, the rest of the month until you got to play Duke again at the uh, at the top of March. Jones Angel joins us next here in the Sportsocracy. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green. Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. And welcome back into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. I'm Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green is alongside as well. And as we do every every Thursday at 4 o'clock, we check in with Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And uh, Jones, this this past weekend, it was... Uh, was not a not one of the greatest performances that we've seen from this uh, from this Tar Heel team. The Duke game didn't go the way that we wanted it to, but uh, but Jones, we got a bounce back win the other night against Clemson down at Little John, seventy nine to seventy seven. So a little bit of an up and down up and down week, but you're going to expect that when you face one of the top five teams in the country. That has been an up and down year for this uh, for this team tank for sure. You know what's been so odd to me about this team is 
Like, I, I think it's clear that Carolina is not an elite team this season. And yet, I, I think it's also clear that the Tarios are pretty good. Like, yeah. this is a solid team. And so what has shocked me is just how, how uh, far away they have been in those games against the best teams that they've played. That, that's been the really strange thing to me is that the Kentucky game and, and the Duke game and to a lesser extent the, the Wake game, you know, some of those teams that have had really good years that the Tar Heels just haven't been very close. And, and so you would think – if a team was getting beaten like that by those type of teams, that it would then just not be very good at all. But that hasn't been the case. Then you see Carolina, and they go on the road, and they win at Louisville, and they win at Clemson, and they've been really good at home, you know, uh, outside of that one, uh, outside of the Duke game all year long. You know, they've blown out some, some teams that are having tough seasons. And so it's just been really hard to get a feel for just where this team kind of falls in the hierarchy of the year. Um, what I do think we know for sure, and Tank, you and I talked about this some last week, is just how important every game is moving forward for Carolina because the Tarios just don't have a lot of high-quality wins right now and don't have a lot of chances, honestly, to pick up very many. And so um, their, their best weapon right now is to just accrue wins and try to get that number total so high that they can't be ignored. And so that's why games like Tuesday at Clemson were so important. Games like Saturday against Florida State will be really important. Is because simply the Tar Heels need the wins uh, to build their resume. Yeah, when you uh, w- when you get handled like they did against your bitter rival, uh, a big, you know, it was. We we knew they were going to be behind the eight ball coming into that because of the way that they have played against top ranked teams in the country. It just, I mean, they it just looked like defensively, especially North Carolina had no answer for Duke offensively. Well, I think a couple things. One, Duke is is good and talented, and I thought Duke played very very well in that game. And honestly, or, or obviously, the Tar Heels did not. We all saw that. Um, I do think that Duke and yeah, they present this problem to a lot of teams is that when they've got multiple guys going good, they're, they're hard to slow down. And so, um, you know, I thought Leaky Black actually did a really good job in that game on Bancaro. You know, Bancaro ended up with 13 points but took 14 shots to get him. Um, I thought Leaky did about as well as you can do against a really talented player. But then the problem was the Tar Heels didn't have anybody to guard A.J. Griffin. And, yeah, he went off and shot the ball extraordinarily well and um, ended up with 27 points. And so, yeah, the, the defensive issues that the Tar Heels have had, that has been one consistent. We were talking about the, the you know, against really good teams versus not as good teams. When, when really good teams, when Carolina has been forced to have to defend at all five positions, they've had more trouble. Um, that that is just not something that they've been able to consistently do against the the top competition that they've played, and that's not to say that the Tarios don't have um, it, guys that can defend, but they have found themselves in some difficult matchup issues where R.J. Davis, for everything that he is, is a smaller player, and that can be an issue. 
Caleb Love, for everything that he is, sometimes lets his offensive, if he's struggling on the offensive side, he lets that carry over to the defensive side, and he doesn't play as well on that side. Um, you know, Brady Manick, as good a shooter as he is, is not a really good post defender. And so um, those issues, of course, other teams are going to see that too and try to take advantage of it. And so um, I I do think that has been an issue against uh, elite-level teams or top-level teams, and Duke certainly falls into that category. Um, Now, having said all that, the Tar Heels didn't play well offensively in that particular game, um, didn't do the things that they need to do to be successful. So it wasn't just the fact that I do think Duke is more talented than Carolina this season. I don't think there's much question about that. But the Tar Heels also didn't perform to the level in which they can perform to give themselves a chance. And you saw that two nights later when Duke lost at home to Virginia. You know, I, I don't, Duke is far more talented than Virginia this season. But the Cavaliers did the types of things that they needed to do to win that game. And I do think Duke was probably a little uh, figuratively hung over from the game against Carolina a couple nights before where you know, they had given a lot of emotion and energy into that game and had a quick turnaround. So um, certainly a disappointing night, no question. And Carolina was extraordinarily frustrated, disappointed after that contest. I do think uh, that they uh, did a nice job bouncing back. And what is a hard place to play, no matter how good Clemson is? Little John's always just a hard place to go win. And and for Carolina to go and get that win, especially in a game where they did not play very well for the first 10 minutes or so, uh, for them to still come back, get the lead at halftime, and and then you know fight through that second 20 minutes and all the foul calls in that right. second half against Clemson uh, was an impressive performance. Right. Armando Baycott continues to be the steady force for this team. 24 points, 10 rebounds against Clemson. His 18th double-double of the season. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he fouls out at the end of the game, but Brady Man- Brady Manick was able to come up with a clutch basket uh, along with Caleb Love sinking a three-pointer there late. Uh to give the Tar Heels the lead, and eventually it was uh, Brady's shot that that gave us enough for the the seventy nine to seventy seven win. Um, I, I I do love the fact that we have so many good players on this team, and I don't know, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's like for Hubert Davis and for these guys to try to stay away from social media. But as a Tar Heel fan. I get angry at Tar Heel social media that put that hypes, you know, put so much heap so much on these guys. Um, you've got so many interchangeable pieces here that I feel like this is a team that could do some damage in March. The problem is they are going to have a problem when they get up against higher seeded teams. Well, a couple things. Uh, I think first. You know, Hubert Davis has been very adamant about blocking out the noise for Carolina, and that's not just whatever is being said on social media. I think these guys have grown up with it enough to the point that it probably isn't as impactful as it may seem to others. Um, Although nobody likes to hear or see negative things about them, of course, but that's also part of, of being in the public life, and that's just kind of part of the deal. Um, and you have to understand that it's real easy for people on social media or whatever to say whatever they want and then think that it's, you know, that then they just go on about their day. 
Um, so I, I do think you have to find that balance, and that isn't an easy balance to find, but I do think that is important to try and do um, when you are leading that uh, a more public lifestyle, at least uh, like these guys are at a relatively young age. Um, as far as the tournament, um, I, I agree with you, and I don't agree with you. I agree with you that yeah, Carolina feels like it should be a team that could be a dangerous team. And, yeah. you know, is it a team that can win six games in a row? I don't know. Um, against top-level competition. We haven't seen Carolina do that against teams that you consider to be teams that are top-level competition. So I don't know why you would think that it could magically happen um, when they entered the tournament. Um, I, I think the larger concern for Carolina right now is play well enough to get there, and, and then you just have to take it on a matchup-by-matchup basis um, if you're the Tar Heels. And so um, it, it's hard right now due to the body of work that you've seen, to believe that Carolina could win six games in a row, especially if four of them or something, and I'm just picking a number there, um, comes against really, really good competition. That's not to say it couldn't happen, um, but the Tar Heels have to do the things that you and I talked about some last week on a consistent basis against good teams. That's rebound the basketball, that is, uh, take care of the basketball, and that is play better defense. And unfortunately for Carolina, those three things have not happened consistently against the best teams that they've played. Yeah. Um, and, and the let's talk about the, the end of the Louisville game for a minute. What – you know, because Carolina had the lead, and then they and then they lost it, and then it got tied up, and it went to overtime. You you were able to come up with the win, but do you think it's like gritty games like that against Louisville, against Clemson? That those are building blocks for postseason success. Absolutely, I think both of those wins are quality wins. I think Carolina got Louisville's absolute best shot. Um, the Cardinals certainly have had a, a challenging year with a lot of different things happening on and off the court, and they played really, really well that day. I thought Clemson played, especially in the second half, uh, played well offensively at least. But then when you say all of that, then you also have to realize that the common denominator there is that the Tar Heels were playing defense. And so it goes back to Carolina has to be better defensively to be able to achieve anything close to what they want to achieve this season. Now, I do think Carolina stepped up and made some big plays in both of those games that were that were winning type of plays and that you want to see on a more consistent basis and that you have to make as you go through the ACC because no matter how strong the conference is, you're playing teams that know you very well, that know your personnel, that know your tendencies, that know how you want to play, that have a vested interest in beating you more than uh, just a random non-conference game in the middle of December. These are teams that see you all the time. And so it's never going to be easy to go to Louisville or to Clemson, and again, no matter how good the team is, um, and, and get a win. You know, Carolina has a couple of road games left. Um, where they will be either favored or it'll be kind of a pick em type of game when they go to Virginia Tech and to NC State. I think obviously the Heels will be big underdogs when they go to Duke. Um, but that Virginia Tech and State game on the road, those will be high-quality wins if Carolina can get them simply because they are away from home against teams that know them well. And so um, I absolutely think those are valuable wins for Carolina the Tar Heels just then have to 
build off some of those lessons that they learned in those games and hopefully carry over them uh, to the better teams that they play. Well, coming up this Saturday, the Tar Heels will be at home again, going up against Florida State, a team that's lost five games in a row. They've they've had their up and down moments as well this year. Uh, what what are you expecting to see from the guys against Florida State coming up at two o'clock on Saturday? Well, a couple things. You know, first of all, Florida State is in a little bit of a transition year for two reasons. Just you know, they have brought in a lot of freshmen. Caleb Mills transfer from Houston's had a terrific year, and they've had a lot of injuries. You know, they, they've played their last several games um, without a couple of their key guys. Malik Osborne is out for a longer period. I'm not sure if that's the whole season or at least several weeks. Um, I know they haven't had Anthony Polite the last couple of games, either a veteran player and a good shooter. Um, so they've had to um, go a little deeper into their bench than I think they normally would. And so I do think that's worth remembering. And yeah, I don't know yet if Polite is expected to be back or not no, uh, for the Carolina J- game. Jeremy, Jeremy's telling me that Osborne and Polite are both done for the year. Okay, I, so. I, I knew Osborne was done was done for a long period of time. I didn't know about Polite. And so, I mean, those, those are significant losses. And so I, that, that's number one, is that you know, Florida State is dealing with some injury issues. Number two is uh, what Florida State still has is a bunch of long, talented athletes. And Carolina has been bothered by long, aggressive athletes this year, long, aggressive athletic teams. And so, for the most part, those are the types of teams that have bothered Carolina. And so, you know, Florida State is going to be that way. They always have size. They always have athletic wings. They always have guys who can shoot the three. And so you understand that it's going to be that type of game. For Carolina, I really think a couple things are important, and some of them we've talked about, the defense, the the rebounding. Taking care of the ball will be very important in this game. I think you saw that in the Clemson game was really highlighted, that when the Tar Heels could – keep handle on the basketball they were scoring and that was the last 10 minutes of the first half and then really the entire second half when they weren't turning it over carolina was getting good looks making good uh, making shots getting to the free throw line you know all those things that you want to do and, and that's always a challenge against florida state because they are disruptive defensively and then tank i just think the quality of carolina's shot yeah, it was. I thought the quality of Carolina's shot was really low against Duke, and so Duke is a good defensive team as well. Um, but you have to work. You can work by moving yourself, the ball, changing the sides of the floor, penetration. I mean, basic stuff that is the basis of any offense. You can get a better look if you do those type of things, and so I, I think that'll be really important in this game because if you can move Florida State defensively and you can move them side to side and you can get inside and pitch out and all those different things, then you can get some quality looks. But it does take work to do it, and if Carolina can do that, then uh, certainly we know they have offensively talented guys that can make you pay. Again, the Tar Heels will take on Florida State Saturday at two o'clock. Coverage here on ESPN Asheville will begin. At 1 o'clock, and then after that, it goes Pitt, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and NC State. At least for the rest of the month, these are a lot of winnable games for the Tar Heels who sit at 17-7, and seven, and it all just comes down to what Jeremy likes to say, can they winnable the games? <laughs> yeah, you got to accrue the wins. That's yeah. the key for Carolina right now. That Virginia Tech game is one 
that is really important. That would be a quad one win right now. It's on the road. The Hokies are playing better. You know, they've played really uh, solidly over here the last two or three weeks. And uh, that'll be that. That's a really important game coming up next Saturday. Some work to do though before the Heels get there with home games, as you said, against Florida State and Pitt. Absolutely. All right, Jones. We appreciate you taking that time for us each and every Thursday at four o'clock here on ESPN Asheville, and we will catch up with you next week. Where hopefully we're we're talking about a couple more wins in the ACC. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Tank. Talk to you soon. You are in the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. We got a Panthers seven-round mock draft post-senior bowl coming up for you next as well as uh we got to check in on those overrated bands bracket don't forget you can vote right now uh on the sportsocracy.com on the most overrated bands of all time we got 64 in a bracket form all you got to do is go to the website it'll come right up and you can vote on it we'll be back here on espn Asheville right after this at ingles we know the ever-present struggle of what am i going to make for dinner this week That's why we started the Ingalls Table. It's a website that brings the best chefs and food experts right into your kitchen. You can sort through hundreds of recipes for every occasion, watch how-to videos, and print shopping lists to take to the store. It's all waiting for you at ingalls-markets.com. Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. The sportsocracy. Take all this, burn it. Okay? okay? Gasoline, kerosene, either one. Burn it. That's exactly what should be done with all Creed albums, in my opinion. Uh we g- <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna give you a little update. Yeah. We have a shocking revelation. Creed fans like me. Motley Crew is beating them. Really? Molly Crew beating Creed right now in the overrated bands bracket found at thesportsocracy.com. So we have a little bit of an audible. As I have looked at the numbers, there are a few bands that are, uh, all right, if this was a political thing, yeah. these would no longer be too close to call. Oh, you'd call the race? I don't think there are enough people that could actually unwind this. Uh, Rascal Flats, they're going. They will be our first 15 seed to upset a two. Yeah, because they are eviscerating Nirvana. So you, you lost one of yours, which is great. Coldplay eviscerating the Foo Fighters. We've got a few other of those. Uh, Florida Georgia Line eviscerating Dave Matthews Band. Right. Sorry, Ariel Robinson. Your most overrated band appears that it will not be playing into the second weekend not a chance when you were facing florida georgia line who even country fans don't like so going into tomorrow there are about half of our matchups can officially be called okay so you have one more night if you want to get these into a not too close to call that will be voted off all weekend long on our social media we will do them matchup by matchup four to six hour polls on twitter facebook all the things right to determine the winners some of these are really close so it already looks like we are going to have the 15 beat the two at least in the rascal flats nirvana case i mean but barring there are some angry abe simpson yell at clouds people that you can bring in because i'm gonna be honest with you they would probably need 
I mean, I'm looking at the direct number. They need a number of votes that is, uh, I'm going to level, more than I thought the number of people that listen to this show. Nice. It's a considerable number. So we are going, anyone that is, I would say, more than 40% discrepant, we are going to call tomorrow. Okay. Very good. We'll give you the updates on that. Go to thesportsocracy.com. The uh, bracket will pull up. When you get to the page. You don't have to do anything. Right. You just sit right there. It will pull right up for you. Right. Uh, ones that I think will upset people. Uh, Motley Crue is beating Creed. Which, which makes me so happy. It's so awful. So if you're a Creed hater, you better go to the sportsocracy.com and vote for Creed. Can I vote again? Uh, no. Dang. You can only vote once. Dang. Uh, I don't. I mean, there are a few that ACDC is winning, and I thought for sure that wasn't going to happen. Who are they faced off? Shine down. Ah, uh, Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit is in a battle with Fallout Boy. I thought for sure there were enough people that listen to the show that really like Limp Biscuit that they wouldn't struggle that much. Right. <laughs> nah. So I'm highly overrated. All right. So without giving, without divulging the exact number, there is one band that has gotten ninety nine point four percent of the vote. Okay. You want me to guess who it is? Yeah. U2. Nope. U2's gotten a lot. Is it the U2's Beach Boys? U2's over 80%. Is it the Beach Boys? Uh, the Beach Boys are... It appears that they're going to move on. Okay. Beating the Beastie Boys. Which, but That's one of those... I didn't have a... There is no loser in that. No matter who wins that, you're overrated. Right. So, six one way, half a dozen the other. Right. It's Nickelback. Ne- oh, of course. We have over a thousand votes on this poll. That's awesome. Nickelback has gotten less than, or, or the the opponent, which just went away from my screen, the Eagles. Yeah, they have less than fifty votes. Well, uh, as they should, they have less than twenty votes. <laughs> it is a whole lot to very little. To very little. Not many Eagles haters amongst our listening. Which makes me love you guys even more. And I'll put it this way. Uh, I, I kind of had to cheat because I, I didn't do my legwork on putting this poll up there. Didn't know there could only be a thousand responses. So a couple of you saw a page that was, hey, you can't respond to this. Oh. So I had to reset it and do it all over again. <laughs> didn't realize that was a thing. Right. No, you could put a survey up and they would go, nope, cutting it off. Can't have any more than a thousand. Well, this one did. Well, so I had to save all those and go back and then we'll have to do some math all right continue to share this out with your friends as well tell them about it tell them that we want their opinion as well we want to find out who is the most overrated band of all time this is just the first round it's been phenomenal we will have uh, full results for you coming up on the musicocracy monday in the happy hour at uh five o'clock only on the youtube stream and i'm dumbfounded by how many people are voting against the red hot chili peppers I thought they were going to win in a walk. Uh, and who's their matchup? Five Finger Death Punch. Really? I'm stunned by that. How can Five Finger Death Punch be more overrated than RCHP? That I have no sense. idea. That doesn't If, if I had sense. been all of the selection committee, they wouldn't even be in it. Well, right now they're winning, so if you're a Red Hot Chili Pepper hater like me, thesportsocracy.com, vote for all of these. I'm actually shocked how many people have voted for all of them. I thought this was going to be really hard to keep track of. Right. Only just a hair over 2% of people didn't vote through the whole bracket. 
It's good completion percentage. Uh, it's, it's, it's what we good. like to see. It's very good. It's what we like. And once you get into it, then you actually start having debates with yourself in your own head. It's just one of the things that I love about this little exercise that we're doing. Best or the over most overrated bands of all time bracket up at the sportsocracy.com. Let's get weird. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. All right, uh, up in New York, there are crimes happening. And look, we know that, uh, you know, jails, they're not, you know, the crime doesn't stop at the door with jails. When when guys are in custody, there's still going to be laws broken. There's still going to be charges filed for, you know, a manner of different things. I thought this was really suspect, though. When this report came out from the uh, New York Department of Correction that found that during the coronavirus shutdown, when they weren't allowing visitors to come in to Rikers Island Prison, that in the span of April 2020 to May of 2021, the, the number of drug seizures inside the prison doubled from what it previously was that tells me there are some dudes who are not supposed to be doing crimes they're supposed to be watching the guys who did the crimes doing some crimes this is a massive investigation that is being sparked in uh, in new york city all around the uh, all around the jails and stuff they said that uh, inside the city jails during that period april 2020 to may 2021 there were more than 2600 times that they had to seize banned drugs which again double the numbers that they had in the 2018 to 2019 period from april to may don't do crimes my story is about doing crimes too okay this is a crime that hits very close to home for me i have told you about dylan dylan is the portland pickle he took a less than fun less than pc picture and posted on twitter minor, and people lost their minds yeah, not long ago Yeah, minor league baseball mascot yes well well dylan the pickle is missing oh no they have been on a tour that has gone through multiple countries recently we're in spain britain monaco and the dominican republic well apparently dylan the pickle was sent back on delta airlines and that package was dropped off at an employee of the team's door. Uh-huh. And a door pirate stole oh, him no. at 4.58 in the morning. Oh, no. I swear to you, I thought this was a social media campaign when I first saw it. Like, yeah. okay, that's somebody that works for the team. You're trying to do a have you seen this pickle? Because I, the social oh, media yeah. writes itself. Maybe it's the marketing guy and me, but I'm looking at it right. going, I see where you're headed with this. Yeah, find the pickle could be a fun little uh, venture across the city, like a treasure hunt. Not exactly where I was headed, but it, that too. That okay, could also all right, work. All right. Uh, and then they filed an actual police report with the Portland Police Department, which tells me this is not a publicity stunt. Right. We have a missing pickle, and we must fight him. I will be putting up a a, 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 a missing poster on our social media after this show. I am going to help. I, we are going to try to help in what little way we can to spearhead the effort to find Dylan the Pickle.
That is so sad. General Manager Ross Campbell just told K-O-I-N, we just want him back. He's irreplaceable. Dylan is as weird as Portland is, so it just fits in really well. Right. I don't know that I would call a pickle costume irreplaceable. I don't think you're using that word right. I mean, do they not have seamstresses? Seams, steam, stream, steamsters? The, I, steamsters? I don't think it's seamstress. Seamstress? Uh, what? Seamstry. Whatever. It's seamstry. People that do seamster things. <laughs> do they not have those in Portland? I'm sure they do, but the uh, you know that's that's a custom order, and that could cost a minor league baseball team a lot of money. So maybe maybe they don't have the funds to replace it right now. I don't I don't know. I can't imagine that a mascot costume would cost you that much. But there again, I've never bought one, so don't know. Uh, I have more than once on this show. Uh, my first job was almost in one of those costumes. It was a Chuck E. Cheese and costume, I, and I thank God every day <laughs> that another company called me first because I don't know that I would have ever recovered from that. Right. I don't like confined space. There's just a whole mess of things there that would have been, well, let's just say less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time in my life where my goal in life was to be Hugo the Hornet. Then I quickly grew out of that when I found out that that's not actually a job that you can make great money at. It's just one of those things we can find somebody to, we'll find, we'll find somebody to put in that costume. It's okay. You can. You can go along with yourself. All right, we've been doing the 2022 NFL mock drafts post-Senior Bowl after Jeremy gathered all of the goodness that he could from Senior Bowl week down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Did the live YouTube stream with uh, David Smith of Armchair Commentary this past weekend. Had a lot of fun with that. And we thought it would just be a good idea. Let you you all in on the Carolina Panthers seven-round mock draft. Well, no matter who you're a fan of, obviously we're right in the heart of Carolina Panther country. They don't have a ton of selections, so it is one that we can show you exactly how these sound. And if Carolina's your team, you get the content. If it's not, you see how it goes. You can go to the YouTube page at the Sportsocracy and see the one for your team. Exactly. After this year program today, finally all of the ones from the NFC East. So and no, these are not muted. Before anybody asks, yeah, I got yeah. enough questions of why can't I hear it? Yeah. Well, because sometimes you hit a wrong button. Sometimes that happens. Well, the Carolina Panthers 2022 mock draft post senior bowl starts off with uh, the number six overall pick in the draft. And, um, you know, they need to beef up the offensive line. There's going to be one at six. If they don't take Charles Cross, they did it wrong. Uh, unless it's Trevor Penning or someone else on the offensive line. Right. Uh, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. That, look, the the problem that Carolina's going to have, and this is one of those things that you have to know when you make a move like they made for Sam Darnold, when, when you're this bereft of draft capital, and they have less than any team in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it was the Rams and then them. You have to know that you're going to have a need, and you may have to overdraft it. Mm-hmm. Charles Cross probably reached at six, especially after how good Trevor Penning was. One of the reasons that I've been so dogmatic on this, not a lot of tackles. Not a lot of guys that can come in and start on the left side right away, which is what Carolina needs. Right. This kid can. Now, when you don't pick for three more rounds, it gets kind of difficult to go, ah, we'll just bypass that. We'll just, we'll find one in the fourth round. Mm, no you won't 
No, you won't. I've been through this backwards and forwards trying to find any way that you could do anything but what I'm saying here, and no, it's not going to be a quarterback. Let me say that one more time because I get asked this a lot. It's not going to be a quarterback. No, 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 no. They're going to see what see exactly what they'll have with a full year of Sam Darnold. This uh, see what Ben McAdoo can do with him. But they have to have a tackle. I have very now little. It, now after after what you saw at the Senior Bowl, sorry to interrupt, but after what you saw at the Senior Bowl, do you do you still think that Charles Cross should be the should be the call here, or has Trevor Penning surpassed I would, him? I would take Trevor Penning. Okay. I, I think if you do that, you're going to get crushed. And that's one of those decisions that if you do it and it backfires, yeah. it could get you fired. Yeah. Oh, remember they took that guy from Northern Iowa with the number six pick. Yeah. And that's where uh, you'll see a lot of these guys. Yeah, they rise up the process. But unless you're like Khalil Mack, who famously had an unreal game at Buffalo against Ohio State, right. that's the reason he got drafted that high. If it hadn't been for that, you would never know what they look like against competition to that level. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to draft guys that high. I, most people I've talked to said there was such a there was so much of a disparity between Trevor Penning and Charles Cross that he's not going to bridge that gap unless Cross goes to the combine and runs a seven, which is not going to happen. Right? Then that's most likely where Carolina will go. All right, the Carolina Panthers do not have a second round pick. They sent that to the Jets. Yay! We get that. Thank you. I'm really glad that my team gets to take that because uh, we need it badly. They don't have a third round pick in this draft either. We didn't get that one. The next one comes up at the fourth round, 106 overall, and you got them taking a quarterback. I do. Akeel Glass out of Alabama A&M. I am so much higher on this kid than everybody else is. And am I going to sit here and tell you that this wasn't a little disingenuous? Maybe. Because his best pro comp is Cam Newton. Yeah. That's who he reminds me of. Six five. He's not as thick as Cam Newton, but he's a very good runner. Not as fast. I mean, he's probably more in the four nine. Uh has a really good arm. He's not somebody that's gonna start immediately. Carolina has very limited options to add quarterbacks. If Sam Darnold's not the solution, you know who I know definitively is not? Cam Newton or PJ Walker. Right. So you're going to have to add somebody that could play the position one way or the other. Well, you're not doing it at six. Because if you do not add a lineman to this team, I don't care if you get Joe Montana in his prime back there. He might get cut in half. Right. Akeel Glass is the backside of the high-end quarterback prospects. If you told me a guy that didn't go in the first round wound up being a franchise quarterback, I'd bet my house it was him. Really? There's a lot of intangibles about him that I really like. He's big. He's got a got a very nice deep ball arm. He's got a bigger arm than Darnold does. Okay. He's just not as mobile. And I know that sounds weird to compare him to Cam Newton. He's mobile enough. He's not straight line fast. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, he's mobile enough. He can do all of the things that you really want him to. That could bring in some RPO, having you know DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey – he just fits in this offense. Right. Now, do I love you taking a quarterback? No. But you're going to have to add one somewhere. Yeah, you're kind of in a position where you need to because the backups are not the best bad. of options. I'll say it. Bad. Okay. They're bad. All right. P.J. Walker is bad. 
<laughs> and I like the kid, but he's not an NFL starting quarterback. In the fifth round, two picks in the fifth round for the Carolina Panthers at 143 overall. Get Cade Mays, guard out of Tennessee. Started hey. out at Georgia and then transferred to Tennessee. Hey, another offensive lineman who shocked. Uh, him and Trey Smith are two guys, that, and I was right about Trey Smith last year. He was one of the five best offensive linemen that came out of the class last year. Yes. I feel the same way about Cade Mays. Really? And he's going to fall, and I cannot for the life of me tell you why. I watch the tape and go, okay, he's the fourth best guard in this class. And there are just a slew of people that don't agree with me, and I don't know why. It's the same way I felt about Trey Smith last year. Yeah. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Kids, I mean, 6'6", 320, got a very decent mean streak. Okay, so he's a little heavy-footed. He's 320 pounds. Right. He's a guard. It's not like this is a zone scheme. I'm not overly worried about that. I like this kid a lot. And this is a guy that can that, that can be useful to open up holes for Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. to run through. If I was a Carolina Pan- Panther fan, you told me that was my first three picks, I would be ecstatic. I can do something with Brady Christensen, who you took last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've then you would have the two rookies and you've still got Taylor Moton and Matt Paredes if you decide to bring him back. Right. Mm, yep, that sounds like an offensive line to me. Markedly better than what you had last year. Yeah, you think they will bring uh, Paredes back? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I've gotten conflicting reports on that, so I don't even want to speculate on it. Right. I, I think he would be more expensive than you think just because there's not a ton of centers out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they want to pay that. Yeah, I don't know if he's worth what you would have to pay him. They got seventeen million dollars to spend in free agency, according to Over the Cap, and I don't know. I, I, I mean, he would be a good chunk of that. Let's just say to bring back Matt Paredes at one forty nine overall. This is the second fifth round pick for the Carolina Panthers. You got him taken, uh, staying in state. Demarco Jackson, linebacker out of App State. I'm a big fan of this kid. Didn't have the biggest week at the Senior Bowl, and it was was actually really quiet, which is why he goes here. Uh, but to me, Carolina's biggest problems are on offense. But I could easily see DeMarco Jackson being that steadying force that they haven't had since Luke Keekley. And I know that sounds weird to say out of fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. This kid is really smart. I don't remember where I saw this, but he did a – it was one of those – behind closed doors side what it however you want to phrase that where he was just talking about football he's not as athletically gifted as you would like him to be but i'll be real honest with you luke keekley wasn't either right and i absolutely fell in love with how he sees this game so he's got it all there between the Mm -hmm. ears may not have it all there completely physically oh he certainly doesn't i mean six foot one 235 Mm -hmm. pounds doesn't really run all that fast nope the measurables are not going to shock you. Right. And I think he could end up slipping through the cracks. It's a guy I just really like. Yeah. And I think you need that stabilizing force. You know, Shaq Thompson is the, the the unbelievably athletic linebacker. Right. Jeremy Chin flies all over the field. DeMarco Murray is the guy that I think could be in the middle of – or DeMar, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Jackson's the guy that could be in the middle of that defense that just calls the plays. Mm-hmm. Just – Everything runs through him. He has a he has a really impressive acumen for this game. Okay, in the sixth round, one ninety seven overall, Jeremy, you got them taking Isaiah Thomas, edge rusher out of Oklahoma. 
I mean, he's a bit of a project. But in time, I think he could develop into... I don't think he'll ever be a great pass rusher. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a good pass rusher now. The problem is that you have to be really careful when you start grading, uh, especially pass rushers. Linebackers, it gets tough. Corners, it gets tough. When you start judging edge guys in the Big 12, you have to be really careful because there are tackles in that conference that are 260 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conversely, I am 260 pounds. Don't think I'm going to be that much of an impediment, and many of the tackles in that conference aren't either. Right. That's why he fell to me. Some people see him much higher than I do. How high have you seen him? Third round. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's quite the discrepancy from third to six. Well, in, in this draft, you'll see that. You'll see that more this year than you've ever seen it before. There will be more guys that you do that with this year than you've ever done before. Yeah. Because the grades are so close. In the seventh round, 244 overall. Is this a homer pick? Ja'Shawn Corbin running back out of Florida State. No, it's not. It's fixing a mistake that Matt Rule's wife made last year. (laughs) With Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is not a second running back in this league. I have said it. I will keep saying it. I don't care if he was good for your fantasy team. I don't care if you knew his name. I don't care if you watched him in college. What did Carolina miss last year? There was a player that used to play for the Carolina Panthers that I think it was pretty obvious they missed him last year. Yeah. Was it Samuel? No. Former backup running back to Christian McCaffrey. Oh, Davis. There Mike Davis. Yeah, you know who Jay Sean Corbin's closest uh, comparison is? Let me guess. Mike Davis. Mike Davis. Same guy. I watched him a lot at Florida State. Some people don't have a draftable grade on him, and I think those people are stupid. Uh, but in that Carolina offense, he would fit in seamlessly. Really good in pass pro. Really good receiver. Not a guy that's going to hurt you that much running between the tackles, even though he's built like a bowling ball. Right. And he could in time. It's just not what he does particularly well right now. Uh, but Mike Davis didn't do that particularly well. And he was the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons this year. That's one of those that I just look at and go, that's a help Sam Darnold pick. And you have to be really careful when you have this few picks. You, you got to kind of take players that can come in and fill a role right now. Right. And that's what he can do. Only six picks in this uh, 2022 NFL draft right now for the Carolina Panthers. And uh, all starts with shoring up that offensive line. That's where you have to start with this uh, with this team. If you're going to get anything out of this quarterback in this $18 million bonus year. Uh, as a As an affiliate for the Panthers and as somebody that really wants this team to be good, I'm going to take a saying that I say a lot, and I'm going to modify it just a little bit. Build the damn line! <laughs> uh, all right, Jeremy, you got uh, you got some picks that is gonna, actually going to make some money tonight? Uh, I have the biggest number I have ever put on anything in five on it. All right, let's get into it. First one. Woo! Oh, yeah. That's a oh, big one. Yeah, that's a big one. First one. Uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix. I was looking at the acronym going, what does that stand for? (laughs) Milwaukee and Phoenix play each other tonight in Phoenix. Over-under is 233. This is going to be a shootout. And I could very easily see this game going into overtime. 233 is too low. And and I don't know how much higher they could have put it. There is almost no shot to me that this goes under, unless it's a blowout, which I don't look to happen. I got 25 on it, over 233 between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. I got 50 on it. Purdue is a four-point favorite tonight at Michigan, and I cannot for the life of me figure out who Vegas is looking at. Purdue's been good on the road. 
really hasn't mattered if Michigan played at home or on the road. And Michigan is the most disappointing team in college basketball by a wide margin. And you know what they really struggle with? Teams that can score inside. What does Purdue do really well? Score inside. inside. I got 50 on it. Purdue minus four. Finally, I got 100 on it. I do not care what this number is. It was three and a half when I made this graphic two hours ago. It could be the Nets as a five-point favorite now. I do not care. (laughs) Washington has nine players. Two of them may or may not have been selling popcorn in the stadium three weeks ago. They have no players. This is going to get ugly, and Kyrie Irving might score 60 tonight. I got 100 on it. Brooklyn Nets plus three and a half. That's uh, an opportunity for you to get back in the back in the black here on uh, five on it. Take all those wagers over to betus.com. Betus.com is the website. Use the promo code Sportsocracy and get a hundred and twenty-five percent deposit bonus on whatever you put in up to twenty-five hundred dollars. Again, the promo code is Sportsocracy at betus.com. Coming up next, Jeremy's going to get mad. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. Dirty I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. If you're in a relationship that's not working, if you try a restaurant that somebody recommends to you and you don't like it, you don't keep going back. For whatever reason, the James Harden-Ben Simmons deal has brought out the stupidest takes that you could possibly ever hear. You had one player that was, without a doubt, never going to play for his franchise again, and another that had come out and told his team, I'm not coming back. And seemingly, the only thing I have heard is how dumb Daryl Morey is or how selfish James Harden is. Nope, sometimes sometimes things just don't work out. Now, do I like to make jokes about James Harden forcing his way out of his third team? Yeah, I do. And do I think it's going to bring a title to Philly? Nope. Could I tell you definitively that Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid by themselves wasn't going to do it? Sure could. In the NBA, you have a very finite window because there's only so many stars that can win titles. You ever notice it seems like LeBron James is in every other finals? I wonder why that could be. Because there's not that many of the right star in the NBA. The Sixers and the the Brooklyn Nets took their swing and are attempting to win a title, and I commend them both. Let me tell you just a fun little stat. Do you know what Nasir Little, Dylan Windler, Fiondo Cabangali, and Kevin Porter Jr. have in common? They were all back into the first-round picks. Oh, Kevin Porter's good in Houston. Yeah, because the team's dog water. You know what back into the first round picks very rarely do? Ever crack a meaningful part of the rotation on a team like this. This was the right move. It was the only move, and I told you that yesterday. And the number of talking heads that have come out against this are mind-boggling to me. It was the right call. It was the only call, and I commend them for getting it done. I'm mad. They gave up a useful piece. Or the Brooklyn Nets got they they gave up James Harden, which will be a useful piece for Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was not getting anything out of Ben Simmons, so I 
I completely understand that. Uh, all right, we've got uh, just a few seconds left here in the program. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for the day here on ESPN Asheville. Don't forget, we have the happy hour coming up next. We've got a Threadbare Thursday. All your questions answered, regardless of what you want to talk about. It's all on the table in the happy hour every day right here in the Sportsocracy. Just go to the sportsocracy.com, click on that live video link. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you get all of our content as it comes out, including all of the seventh, uh, the seven-round mock drafts post-Senior Bowl in the Sportsocracy. Each and every team will have their very own video in the playlist on thesportsocracy.com. We will see you tomorrow back here on ESPN Asheville, 3 o'clock.